How do frogs drink water is the question that I will answer by the end of this show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The More You Know Mondays. The more you know, the more you grow. And this week on the show, I'm going to be talking about the internet. And when I say the internet, I don't mean the Grammy-nominated band. (laughs) I'm talking about the internet, the, the thing that we use to access the World Wide Web. But I'll go into that more in a second. So if you are a new listener to the show, welcome. And this is episode six. So there is five more episodes for you to listen to if you're interested. And if you're a returning listener, thank you. Thank you for coming back and coming back and listening to more more facts. (laughs) But as you know, uh, I have to start the show. Uh, with Monday Affirmations and this week's show is no different this week's quote is by Nora Roberts and it goes like this if you don't go after what you want you'll never have it if you don't ask the answer is always no if you don't step forward you're always in the same place and I absolutely love this quote because it's 100% true, like, I know that it's hard for some people to go after what they want because maybe they're afraid of the rejection, and that's fair, but at the end of the day, the worst thing that someone can say to you is no, if you're asking them, uh, say for example, in relationships, I'm no expert because <laughs> I'm single <laughs> but I'm just saying in general in relationships if you're going for someone uh, if there's someone that you're interested in if you don't go after that person and find out if it was even possible then you will never know like the answer would always be no in your mind because you're saying to yourself ah rah, like that person's out of my league there's no point in me going for it if you don't go out and try you would never know of what it was like to even try you might be surprised by the reactions when you do try and you know also at the end of the day it's an experience and life is whole purpose is for you to go out there and experience things and if you're just sat there wondering and asking yourself the questions and not asking other people, then you're wasting the time that you could be spending actually experiencing and asking the questions yourself, going for what you want instead of saying, instead of saying that you want to do something and just staying in the same position instead of stepping forward into something that could possibly happen. Um, and, you know, I've always 
love the fact of asking questions because I feel that asking questions is really key. If you don't ask the question, if you're curious about something, ask the question. Like, if you don't ask it, you'll never know. And the worst thing is never knowing. <laughs> like, it's worse, like, um, it's worse to ask the question and get an answer that you're not expecting or that you might not want or know what to expect. I think I probably just said that. <laughs> but instead of not asking the question and just never knowing the answer, and the only way to find out that answer would be to ask that person, but you can't. So it's, it, it's something that you would have to obviously deal with. Um, but it's something that's hard to deal with. I don't know. For me, it's, I don't know. If anything, I think about it in the sense of, the fact of losing my father and there's so many things now that I'm older at older point in my life that I could possibly want to ask him now that I didn't have back then when I was younger when it happened to me and now there's questions that I will never get the answer to and I have to just live with that and it's not something that I I completely have a problem with I'm, I'm I'm dealing with it, but at the same time, it's just never let time set. Like time is one of those things that you never know when will when it when your time will be up. So make the most of the time that you have while you have it, because if you're not out there taking the steps forward. And you're not out there going for what you want. You're not out there asking the questions to find out the key information that you need to make all these steps make sense and make, make them have meaning. Then what are you doing? And that's not a question that I'm, I'm not questioning you. I'm just saying, have that question for yourself. What are you doing? What's the purpose of everything that you're doing and you're putting effort into what's the end game but anyway my monday affirmations and motivations are stop sitting and start moving i think it's the kind of the same affirmations and motivations similarly i feel like it's the same thing from every episode but yeah stop sitting and start doing stop thinking or not stop thinking continue thinking but stop just thinking and start putting those thoughts into action um and if you have questions like like the worst thing you can do is like if you have a question for someone and say it's like, uh, I don't know, say it's a famous person, for example, yeah. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to drop it in their DM and they're not going to respond to you. Or, you know, like, at least you've asked the question or you can ask another person or do you, do you know what I mean? But if you don't ask it 
if you don't ask that person face to face is better because then they can't they can only dodge it with your with real words and like it's harder but <laughs> anyway uh that's that's the humans uh but yeah that's my monday monday motivations and affirmations for this week i hope you got some sort of meaning from what i was saying and from that or with that we will get into the internet so i just thought it would be interesting to kind of look into the internet only because it, it it's a thing that we use on a daily day-to-day basis it affects all our lives if it went down i mean <laughs> and <laughs> like i just mean in the fact of like i briefly remember time before the internet in the sense of the internet was first available for public access in 1990s in sorry in 1990 not i'm not saying 1990 <laughs> i'm saying 1990 that's when it first became like widely available but i don't think i mean i was born in 91 and when i was born there was no internet i mean we didn't have the internet in our house well not when i was younger like maybe one or two growing up but like when i was i don't know i don't know how old i was probably in secondary school when we first got the internet access at home and like for anyone that was born in like the 90s minus like maybe i don't know yeah 90s minus like come on like like you guys we remember like dial up internet because like internet now is like super fast compared to what it was like when it first became accessible to um the populace at large we had a thing called dial up internet and uh, i'm talking about this first because it's just bizarre for me to think about now we're in 2020 and we we have like fiber optic cables underneath the ground that make giving us high speed internet which is crazy um when it, it started from the dial up internet where you couldn't use your house phone and be online at the same time it was one or the other so you made those decisions like to the point where like if someone was trying to make a call like to try and call you and they tried to call your phone and you were online all they would hear is and it wouldn't be able to get through in it <laughs> so like or maybe like they couldn't call you i can't remember what it was but i, I remember there was it was around the time we had mobiles so like someone would be trying to call the house phone while i was online and then i would just get this message or something and mum was just like are you online because like someone's saying that they're trying to get hold of me and they can't get hold through the house phone or something like that i'm just like oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm online so it's like oh, can you come off so we can start making phone calls again <laughs> like, 
and like now where we are we're at a point where we can get or virgin from from what i've been i've been doing some research into my internet provider and i want how fast the download speed was this is where this whole research span off from i was researching like um (laughs) my internet provider uh, and they a shout out to bt for uh the speeds because they haven't got the fiber optic cables in our area yet. Uh, so we still have the copper wire and the problem with the copper wire is that the copper wire only allows a certain, uh, speed of download or capacity or of the amount that it can download. So yeah, the speed, I guess. (laughs) And, Whereas the fiber optic cables, the reason why they're so fast is that it allows for uh, a bigger, a faster transmission of larger data. So like gigabytes of information can pass through a fiber optic cable faster than gigabytes of information passing through a copper wire, basically. Um... And I found this really interesting. And then it led me into research onto, wait, hang on. What is the internet? Because <laughs> we all use it. It's uh, what allows us to access Google and use all our smartphones. Um, I mean, obviously the smartphones will still be smart without the internet because you, you can download things onto them. But for you to download the thing onto your phone, you need to have, you need to get access to the internet. Um, and I thought, yeah, let me, let me look into it. (laughs) So the internet was created by not one person. That's the key fact first. It was, down to the works of many scientists, programmers, and engineers who developed loads of new features and technologies that eventually merged into what we now call the internet or the information highway, as we now know it today, like the internet. So really and truly, we could go as far back as to say, like looking at like Nikolai Tesla, because he toyed with the idea of world wireless systems in the early 900s. And there were also other visionaries like Paul Otler and Vannevar Bush that kind of figured out like mechanisms for searchable storage systems of books and medias. And this was as early as the 1930s and forties, but it wasn't, or it wouldn't be until like 20 years later in the early 1960s when MIT's J.C.R. Lick Lidler popularized this idea of 
an intergalactic network of computers. And just thinking about that idea, it kind of sounds a bit like, I don't know, Star Trek-y and kind of Star Wars-y, like intergalactic, spacey. But then it's a network of computers. So it's starting to get interesting and starting to kind of figure things out and connect the dots a bit more. Like, it feels like before the internet was made, there was many, like, scientists and visionaries that kind of, they had this idea that they were like, there's a possibility or there has to be a way that we can communicate with the wider world while still being in our own position. Like, there has to be a way we can move forward by and connect with more people and see what's more what's out there but anyway i'm going off into mind holes not mind holes what are they called um tangents (laughs) they might as well be called mind holes (laughs) mind holes tangents um anyway so shortly after this um idea of the intergalactic network of computers was conceived um there was a load of computer scientists that um developed this concept of packet switching and for anyone that's un uh familiar with the phrase packet switching basically it's just a method of effectively transmitting electric data which unknowing to these computer scientists they were actually uh, conceiving the major or one of the major building blocks of the internet which is packet switching but as things go, uh, it wasn't until later in the 1960s when the Advanced Research Projects Agency Network, or ARPANET, was created. And originally, this was funded by the US Department of Defense. But anyway, ARPANET... <laughs> use packet switching to allow multiple computers to communicate on a single network. So they developed this idea of, okay, cool. So we, this concept of packet switching, which is we can, we know how, so we now know how to transmit data, electronic data effectively. And now it's been developed to, okay, cool. From that point, we can now, effectively transmit data um, to communicate on one single network so that with that idea it means that if one computer can connect to this network successfully and now they've allowed multiple computers and this is the birth of the internet so on october the 29th 1969, ARPANET delivered its first 
node-to-node communication, which is basically computer-to-computer or end-to-end. And uh, that communication from one one computer to another computer was a simple message of login, right? And there was one computer at the research lab at UCLA and another computer at the University of Stanford. And let me just also make another thing clear about this computer. These computers back in 1969 weren't like these... uh what can I call them, house-trained computers (laughs) that we have now. Um, Because computers back then, they were the size of a small house. So, I don't know, imagine like a computer the size of a bungalow. (laughs) And they had probably a little keyboard at the bottom where they could type in their messages and make... Um, things happen on the computer system that was the size of a small house I can't get this image out of my head of a computer the size of a bungalow (laughs) but anyway so (laughs) it would be funny to say not just funny but it's the truth so the this test that they tried with the, the computer at the research lab in UCLA and the computer at Stanford um was the simple message of login but <laughs> although the message was so short and simple it crashed the ARPA network <laughs> and the computer the computer in Stanford only received two letters from the computer in UCLA so it only received LO and then the network crashed. But even though the network crashed, the me- the computer, the other computer still received the message. So it was partly a success, which means they just had to kind of figure out a way to stabilize things so that they can then next time when they trial it, they will actually get the message log in on the other side or maybe they should just try a a shorter word like they should have just tried hi like hi and then maybe like the network wouldn't have crashed and the computer in stanford still would have got the message and they would have been like yo we made it guys we did it two letters cheese (laughs) anyway so technology continued to grow into the 1970s, when this is the turning point. In the 1970s, when scientists Robert Kahn and Vincent Surfed, oh no, Surf, or Kerf, I, I butchered the name, I, I do apologize. Um, it's either Kerf or Surf. Um, but we're going to go with Kerf. So Vincent Kerf and Robert Kahn, these two scientists developed transmission control protocol and internet protocol. And these 
just sound like a lot of words, but you might see these on places like uh, on things that have internet. You might see TCP slash IP around. If you've seen this anywhere, that's what those words, that, that's what those acronyms sound stand for. Transmission Control Protocol and Internet Protocol. And this, basically, this... Uh, de this development um, set the standard for how data could be transmitted between mul multiple devices. And for anyone that's figured this out now, this this is the missing building block that they needed in making the internet stable. That was the problem that they had before. They never had... A s they never had a set standard of how the data could be transmitted between multiple devices. They just knew that they could, but they didn't know exactly how it would stably communicate, how it would stably go between these um, computers. They just know that there w there's a, p there's a, uh, 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 what's it? <laughs> what can we call it? A, a concept called packet switching which allows us to have a method for us to transmit electronic data effectively. And then ARPANET developed this idea and they're like, yeah, okay, cool. We can develop it. We can, we can make this electronic data transmit effectively. Now we can transmit it not from just one single computer. We can do it to multiple computers on a single network, but there was still something missing. And then Robert Kahn and Vincent Kerf come in and they create transmission control protocol and internet protocol. And they set the standard for how data can be transmitted between multiple networks. And then what do you think ARPANET do? ARPANET then adopt TCIP on January 1st, 1983. And from there, Research begins to assemble and they're looking into networks. So they're looking into the network of networks, which basically became the modern day internet, what we use today, which is kind of funny saying what we use today, because I say we like the whole world has access to the internet, but that's not true. Most people using the internet would just think, oh yeah, everyone has the internet, right? No, only 57% of the entire population of the world has access to the internet. So that's probably about 4.33 billion active internet users. Um, but which is still a lot, but at the same time, that's still not the entire world. There's only 57% of it. And on top of that, another interesting fact that I found out about people who access the internet is that out of the 4.33 billion people that access the internet, 3.9 billion of these people uniquely access the internet from a mobile source like from their mobile phone so so that's about like 
that makes up probably 51%. So about 51% of the active users of the internet uniquely use their mobile phone to access the internet. So that means there's probably about a 6% of active users of the internet that use that uniquely access the internet via another source that's not their phone. So a computer or maybe a game console or something like that, or (laughs) that's a really small margin. I'm not a marketer, (laughs) but if you are a marketer and you're listening to that, that's like (sighs) interesting stats to be going forward with, like mad. So like, means that more people have mobile phones than they have um, desktop computers or even laptops. So in the world of kind of, I don't know, even app creation, like you would be thinking that in, in some, at some point with, with facts going this way or stats even going this way, I'm not even... <laughs> I'm just thinking it, it makes you think that if 51% of the population that of the 4.33 billion active users of the internet uniquely use their mobile phones that means and this is in 2020 so maybe give it 10 years time that number could push up to more because young people prefer mobiles to maybe a desktop computer um, sometimes me as well. The only time I would probably use my laptop is if I want a big screen or, and if not, then I can use the TV, like the smart TV and that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy to think that maybe at some point could laptops go out of style and everyone just uses their mobile phones for everything. Just phones just, get bigger or foldable or I don't know but it is really interesting that more people use their mobile phones to access the internet than any other way of accessing the internet although at the same time most mobile phones nowadays are always online so it's a it's a what's it called a catch-22 I would say But anyway, the internet only took its first most recognizable um, form in 1990, as I mentioned, I think right at the beginning, when computer scientist Tim Berners-Lee invented the World Wide Web. Now, this is important because the World Wide Web, while it's... often like confused with like the internet is although they're similar or not eh, they're within the same family i guess like the internet is like the parent and the world wide web is like the child in a sense so for uh, what's important to know is that the world wide web is what we use to access the internet 
Without the World Wide Web, we couldn't access the internet um, uh, publicly uh, through like um, online data and uh, forms uh, in the form of websites. I mean, like you couldn't go to Google.com without the World Wide Web, because that's and that's why every website starts with www dot because it's on the world wide web and then then it's your whatever but the web is what was what is <laughs> the web is what was used to help popularize the internet amongst the public as i was saying so without the access to the web without sorry without the web you wouldn't have access to the internet and the more you use, and now obviously there's so many more technologies and so many more things that help us access the web or access the internet rather. And what I think is really cool is that, again, I've explained to you what the internet is, the history of the internet is, but like, how does it actually work? Because that was my main question in the beginning when I was starting out my research. Like, like we use it every day. We 100% take it for granted because, granted because we don't know exactly what's going on. We just know we can get online when we want to, when we want to do the things that we need to do, and then we just jump off. And we don't even pay it too much mind. But it, it's actually pretty interesting. So... There is this really cool website that you can go to, which is called submarinecablemap.com, which basically shows you all the, uh, I guess, internet wires that connect the, the world, but they obviously travel underneath the fruit, underneath, underneath the water. And you can see like where where the internet is in the whole world um, and how it's connected and to what countries so how you can access certain information because really and truly you need to think about a lot of people they would say the internet is basically from you can if you look in this website you can see that the internet is basically just wires it's just a really long wire that connects loads of different countries together through computers um but it's a little more complex than that in the sense that there's a thing called a server which you might have heard this term before but this specific server that's connected to the internet um it's online 24-7 and it basically serves one purpose and that purpose is to serve us information or sorry, serve us data <laughs> um, uh, so that we can talk to or so that our computer can talk to another computer in another country or maybe even a computer that's just round the corner to you but this server is what allows you to access the data so there's 
a server at Google that allows you to access the Google website on the world, on the internet. But the Google website, which is the child of the Google server, the World Wide Web version of Google, is what we are able to access. We're not able to access Google servers directly, but we're able to access the World Wide Web public version, in a sense, I guess. But their server being on 24-7 allows us to access Google's website 24-7 whenever we need to, giving us, serving us that data whenever we need it. Now, I've just said Google, but I was just saying that as an example, just hoping that you understand it a little better. But I just mean a server is a computer that is on 24-7 and its sole purpose is to serve us data when we need it. So you can kind of think of it like Netflix. It's kind of like Netflix in a way. I guess you could say <laughs> in the fact of you can access um, the latest movie or TV show that's available on Netflix whenever you want to at any time, whether it's day or night. And it doesn't matter about um, where you are in the world, just as long as that place has access to Netflix, then you can, then you can get it. Then you can watch that show or that version. If it's available on that, uh, version, <laughs> not version, I guess that in that place in Netflix, um, certain things are available, uh, in different places on Netflix. So it's kind of hard to use that metaphor, <laughs> but it's like a library of information. You can call it. So you'll pay your internet service provider and they'll give you access to the internet. <laughs> and then, so like when you're searching for a website that you're looking for, like www. Um, uh, uh, what websites are there that people visit on a often other than Google? Um, let's say from back in the day, Arx Jeeves, yeah? Say you wanted to go to Arx Jeeves. Or, or it was, Ar yeah, it was arxjeeves.com or Arx now. And you would contact, you would go type in your website and it would go straight to the webpage and you wouldn't even think, pay no mind. It was like, yeah, dope, it's gone. But basically behind the scenes, what's happening, what's happening is that your internet service provider is communicating with a DNS server, which is basically just a huge phone book. That is the best way to call, uh, um, de decipher it, like the DNS, which stands for domain name system which is just like a huge phone book which the internet 
your internet service provider will contact to be like, look, like this computer or this client, I, I forgot to mention in, mention in the beginning, obviously you're the client because uh, the internet service provider is the one that you pay to access the internet. Also, a computer that accesses a server is called a client. So like the, ser- the, the computer that accesses the server um, is called the client anyway. So you as the client, uh, the internet service provider just goes into the, they're just like, all right, cool. So my client wants to go to Arx Jeeves. Yeah. All right, cool. So let's quickly look up, uh, the, the name, the domain name for Arx Jeeves and then just send it straight to them so that they can access it and they'll have no problems. And yeah, that is basically the internet explained um, in a lot of words. <laughs> so I hope you understand what I've said, because uh, I tried to put it in layman's terms instead of using so many technical terms. Uh, but I, I hope you understand it the way that I understand it. And yeah, let's get into how frogs drink water. Now, I should obviously come clean right away and say that my question was kind of, uh, not a correct way of saying it because how do frogs drink water is kind of, a, I guess, I don't want to say oxymoron, but it is kind of an oxymoron because frogs don't drink water. The way how they, I should have said how do frogs consume water because the way how they consume water is through absorbing it through their skin, which is a very uncommon fact. But yeah, frogs don't drink water. They consume water through their skin. Also, another interesting fact about frogs is that some frogs have calls that can be heard from miles away like the ribbits that they make some frogs can make ribbits that can be heard from miles away and my final fact about frogs is that fun fact is that toads are frogs but the only difference between toads and frogs are toads are just frogs that have warts and dry skin. And that's the only difference between a frog and a toad. Although a toad is a frog that has dry skin and warts, <laughs> which is kind of rude in the same respects. Like it's, <laughs> It's kind of rude. So like they just saw a f- they just saw an ugly frog and they were like, "Uh, that's a toad. We're gonna call that a toad now." <laughs> um, but yeah, fun fact about frogs and toads and the internet. And that will be the end of the show. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to this week's episode about the internet, and hope you've learned something today about frogs and how you connect to the internet and how it works you know and if you have any 
cool interesting things for me to look into don't hesitate to please send us an email at myopinionmeans at gmail.com follow us on instagram uh, i was gonna say social media <laughs> follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at my opinion means and thank you for listening if you have listened uh, this far on <laughs> this episode and on any episode thank you for listening and we will be back or i will be back next week with more facts and fun information that you should know more about thank you for listening and goodbye